0: Over the last six weeks or so, we've had an awful lot of gospel passages that have to do with money and possessions. And so I'm just gonna quickly recap some of what we've heard recently. We've heard, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then a week later, we heard, sell your possessions and give alms. And on Labor Day weekend, we had, None of you can become my disciple if you do not give up all your possessions. And last Sunday, we had no slave can serve two masters, for a slave will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. And this Sunday, we have a short story from Jesus, where the poor guy goes to heaven and the rich guy burns in hell. It's as if the people who put the lectionary together knew that we were heading into stewardship season. (laughs) Well, actually, they did. (laughs) We're going to head in the direction of all of these things, but I'd like to come through them this morning through the epistle. 1 Timothy is one of those books that's hidden in the back of the New Testament. Now, we don't get it a whole lot. Some scholars aren't even sure that Paul wrote it, and that makes church people avoid it more than they already would. Now, personally, I think that he probably did write it. But more than that, it teaches us some good stuff that deserves our attention. 1 Timothy normally gets lumped together with 2 Timothy and Titus under the name of the Pastoral Epistles. And they get this title partly because they are Paul's pastoral letter to individuals, but also because all three of these letters are focused on what it means to be the leader of a Christian community. They teach what a pastor is and does. Timothy, as you might remember, was one of Paul's traveling companions and planted several churches in Macedonia. Church tradition says that he became the first bishop of the city of Ephesus. Now, 1 Timothy is a pretty short letter. It only has six chapters. But it came at a time when the Christian community was fighting against a variety of false teachings that were floating around. In response, Paul tells Timothy what bishops, priests, and deacons are supposed to live like, and then lays down teaching that will combat both false teachings and the general immorality of the culture. In the bit that we have for today, Paul is talking about, you guessed it, money. But, Like so many of the Gospels texts that we've heard over the past weeks, it's actually not just about money. Money does have a lot to do with it, but fundamentally, it's about priorities. Now, this is the passage where we find the famous phrase, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now notice, it doesn't say that money is the problem. It says that the love of money is the problem. In the same way, he doesn't say that those who are rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many senseless and harmful desires. Instead, it's those who want to be rich. The scriptures tell us of a number of godly rich people. We have Abraham, Solomon, Job, for example. But tell us of the bad ends of many who want to be rich or to be richer than they already are. And those stories never end well. The problem isn't money. Instead, it's the desire for money, and the desire is what leads people on and off the straight and narrow. Paul says, stop. This isn't a Christian way to do things. Material wealth can do many things, but it cannot provide for us the important things like inner peace, tranquility, or fulfillment. Wealth has the ability to make us comfortable, but it does not have the power to make us content. It's very easy to get so focused on working hard, earning more money and buying more things, that we forget what our real priorities are. We get distracted and pulled further away from our friends and family and from the center, away from God. And what Paul tries to do in this passage is to reorient us. The goal isn't money, but there are things that we should desire. We don't pursue money, but there are things worth pursuing. We do want to work hard, but not for wealth. Instead, he's talking about virtue, righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, gentleness. These are the things worth fighting for because these are the things that confirm our fundamental orientation towards God and that root us in the proper love of God and love of neighbor. And that's what's worth fighting for, not money, not stuff, but those habits of the heart and will that build us up in love. And that's where the rich man in this gospel falls down on the job. Lazarus is at his gate day in and day out, trying to satisfy his hunger with leftover crumbs, while the rich man feasts sumptuously every day and yet never seems to acquire the habits to do the slightest thing to ease Lazarus' suffering. It doesn't seem like he even know Lazarus is there outside his gate. As a result, in the end, Lazarus can't do the slightest thing to ease the rich man's agony. As Paul reminds Timothy, you see, we have choices. We get to choose what we do with our time. Do we chase after money or do we chase after virtue? Which will be worth more to us in the long run? For Paul, it's simple. Do good. Be rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for yourselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future so that you may take hold of the life that really is life. Now that's something worth pursuing, the life that really is life. Now, I can't help but think of those credit card ads, I think it's MasterCard, back about 25 years ago, where there's a stream of consumables, and they all lead up to the moment that's priceless. But even these miss the mark. The payment has already happened. Look to the cross, look to Calvary, look to the font, look to the table. These are the moments that have forever purchased priceless for us. Now, what do we do in return? And that, of course, leads us right back to stewardship. What do you pursue and why? Do you pursue something that fades and corrodes and that ultimately leaves you empty-handed? Or do you pursue with an eye to the future? Do you invest your time in what truly profits? Because if you really think about it, our most limiting resource is time. We never can buy time. When our time runs out, it runs out. We can't drop a few more quarters in for more life or for a few more minutes. We can't buy more I love you's or silent walks on the beach. We can't buy more dinners at soup kitchens or kind words to someone who's lonely. No, if you're going to do these things, the time to do them is now. And I can't stress this enough. The time to make these habits is now. The time to pursue the virtues is now. Store up for yourself the treasure of a good foundation for the future. Take hold now of the life that really is life. Let us pray. O Lord, your Son has taught us that from those to whom much is given, much will be required. Guide us to obtain our money honestly, neither injuring our neighbors nor ravaging your creation. And help us to use wisely what we have for the well-being of our families and all people and for the strengthening of your kingdom in justice, beauty, and peace. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.